What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Next Level Freedom Church podcast. My name is Trenton Cruz. I'm the lead pastor of Next Level Freedom Church in Jackson, Missouri. If you're seeking a church family that can help you grow in your relationship with Christ, or maybe you just want to check us out online, be sure to check out our website, www.nextlevelfreedomchurch.com. I hope today's episode will inspire you and encourage you as you fulfill the destiny God has for your life and fulfill your divine purpose in God's master plan. Thanks for tuning and God bless. Hello everyone, welcome back to the Next Level Freedom Church podcast and this episode of Unified. If you are tuning right now, we want to let you know that if you're seeking a church home or if you're looking for somewhere to fellowship, we would love to have you. Go ahead and visit our website, nextlevelfreedomchurch.com for more information on that. Today's episode of Unified, I have a special guest in the show with me. His name is Pastor Ed Rhodes. He pastors Joy Church in Jackson, Missouri. Ed, you want to go ahead and introduce yourself? Yes. Um, as Trenton said, I'm Pastor Joy Church here in Jackson. Uh, I'm a retired United Methodist pastor. And uh, after we retired, I thought, well, I'll just be able to fill in and, and maybe do some consulting with congregations that, that want to grow. And uh, that was not God's plan. I filled in a couple rural churches for a while. And then a friend of mine who was a pastor here in Jackson asked me to, to do a satellite church to be the campus pastor. So I said yes. And after about a year, they, the church was closed, not because of my <laughs> poor pastoring, <laughs> but uh, financial things. And, and it wasn't growing in the area that, that we thought it should. And so the remnant of that congregation, we formed Joy Church. So that kind of gives you an update of Word where we got Church. to where we are. And okay. we, um, we shared a, a facility for a couple of years with, a, with another church here in Jackson, the Rock Church. And then we just sensed that God was calling us to start out on our own. And so that's where we are today. So just All want to right. lift that up today. I am excited to hear Ed's testimony today. For those of you out there listening, we, this is what this show is all about. It's all about letting you know that God uses real people to make a real difference in a fallen world. So that is the whole point of Unified. So today you're going to get to hear Ed's testimony, kind of where he came from. And I'm excited. So once again, hit us up. Thank you for tuning out there. We see the numbers. We see the people tuning all over the world, literally. So if you're tuning, I hope you are blessed by what you're getting ready to hear. And I'm going to get ready to turn it over to Ed and let him start. And as usual, if Ed, if you come up with something and I got a question, I'll just kind of interrupt you and say, hey, hang on a second. Please, please do so. Amen to what you said. (laughs) That's all. That being said, the floor is yours, sir. When you asked me to uh, give my testimony, I, I was trying to run through my memory banks. I only have a 270 processor, so I, <laughs> it took me a little while to think about where I came from. Well, my parents were Christians, very involved in the church, and from as an infant, they had me in church. And so I was involved in the life of the church up, in, up until the age of 13 during vacation Bible school. Back then, Trenton, it was uh, two weeks. Mm. God bless those people that put up with us rowdy <laughs> kids for two weeks. And we, I mean, it was 
it was almost all day. Was it still in the summertime, I guess, back Yes, then? it was in the summer, and we had guys, that would, men, older men, that would help us with projects and stuff for our craft time. And I still have some of those projects, and, I, and in my mind I can see those saints that, that helped us and, and those people that taught us. Those of you who aren't familiar with Vacation Bible School, right? What you said, yes, Vacation, Vacation Bible School. It, it's, I think they still have them, but it's like a summer program for kids. During the summer when they're out of school, the churches have a program where they go through lessons and material. The two weeks is the first time I've ever heard it last in two weeks. Uh, generally, when I was a kid, it lasted a week. And then nowadays, it's more like three days, it seems like, in a lot right. of churches. So slowly decreasing. But go ahead, Ed. <laughs> just, I just wanted to throw that out there for those who may not be familiar with that. Well, the Vacation Bible School then and even now is an outreach to, to reach kids when their hearts are open and they can receive Jesus Christ much easier. You've, you've read the statistics, too, that as a person gets older, the percentage of people that have come to faith decreases dramatically. So even now, we still try to reach those younger kids. But I was 13, and after Bible school, we had a service, a regular Sunday service, and the pastor gave the invitation. But all during the service, I felt convicted I, I felt like, it's hard to describe, but the burden of my sin. I knew that I'd done wrong things, even at 13. And I needed Jesus. So I had some friends there in the church because we went to Sunday school together. And I asked him if he'd go forward with me. Because in, in the Southern Baptist Church, you have an altar call. Mm-hmm. And so we went forward, and I can remember praying and feeling the burden of my sins taken off my shoulders. Now, that's not everybody's experience, but that was mine. And then <clears throat> when we were, we had a baptism service, and I, I distinctly remember how I felt like those sins were washed away. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, was, it was just an incredible, and there were adult men who had become to Christ and made a profession of faith in Jesus Christ. And so it was just an exciting time. Now, I'd like to say that that was the beginning of a great spiritual awakening, and I was just a a stalwart Christian. No. (laughs) I'd already had so many things happen in my childhood and life that I was what you call a nominal Christian. Yeah, I went to church. I even taught a Sunday school class of young young boys because I could identify with them where I'd come from because my parents divorced when I was nine, and so needing a father figure, that was kind of important. Mm. And what I didn't know, and I sh- should have mentioned earlier, is that during that vacation Bible school, my mother had talked to, I guess, some of the elders or deacons of the church, and they said they kind of tried to look out for me because mm. um, I was an honorary kid. <laughs> and uh, there's still, still some of that in there. Inside me, I call it my nine-year-old, and he gets out on Sunday mornings occasionally, and and uh, Yvonne wants to put him back in the box. That's my wife, and and it doesn't work well. But anyway, so from that time forward, you know, I was involved in the life of the church, but it was just a nominal Christian experience. I knew Jesus as my Savior. It's like one guy said, I had fire insurance. But that was about it. Mm. I had not really grown. Yeah. And this continued even 
uh, until my wife and I got married. And, but I, I married into a, a fine Christian family. Mm-hmm. My mother-in-law was a spirit-filled believer, and my father-in-law was just, those are the two tremendous saints that I've seen. I like what you said about, because there's a lot of them that miss that. They get their fire insurance, and we've actually mentioned that, I think, here on the huh. show before, that, about getting fire insurance. But fire insurance is no good if you're not actually growing no. from your Christian walk. So it doesn't actually, I always say at the church, it doesn't, salvation is not a prayer, it's a lifestyle. So it's how you live from that prayer. It's not about just saying some words. It's about actually going, surrendering your heart. And there are people that do that. And like he said, they just kind of don't grow. And, they, and we, there's sadly a lot of those in today's society that haven't grown. They're still where they were at the day they got saved, however young or however old it was. But Jesus is always encouraging us to make disciples. Part of making disciples is not just getting them saved. It's teaching them. What do they do? And so, and I'm not talking it straight. No, to I, I understand talking that. Here, so I thought I'd throw that out there. So I thought that was a good point that you made because saying a prayer and getting fire insurance, it's not what Jesus, he wants more for us than that. So go oh, ahead. Oh, he's got a bigger plan than that. <laughs> he was my savior, but he wasn't the Lord mm. because I hadn't surrendered everything to him. I don't know if you're familiar with Oswald Chambers. He wrote My Utmost for His Highest. And he said, you have to go to the white funeral. Mm. We have to die. Uh. We have to die to self and allow Jesus to be our life Mm. and allow him to live through us every day and in every way. So I'm thankful for my mother-in-law and then my one of my brother-in-laws, who's also also a retired Methodist preacher and his wife, they were spirit filled. And I saw something different in them. They weren't always spirit filled. And I didn't always see it in my mother-in-law, although she was a woman of great faith. But they invited us, my wife and I, because I was not satisfied with mm-hmm. just being having fire insurance. She doesn't have Jesus as my Savior. I knew there had to be something more. Mm-hmm. So they invited us to go to Full Gospel Businessmen's Fellowship. And that was really big in the 70s and, and 80s. And there's still chapters around. I saw something there. People gathered. They prayed. They praised God. Mm-hmm. And then they talked about something so weird to me, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Mm. Now, I was raised, ooh-wee. Yeah. That's, you know, that's anathema. Uh, that all died with the apostles, and that wasn't alive. And so, and then... I guess I can say this. I saw some Pentecostals that, yeah, they could jump pews, but their lives didn't match. Mm. Their lives did not match. And I saw this in the speaking in tongues, and I thought, I don't want anything to do with that if that's what it means. That was a hindrance to me. But lo and behold, one of the speakers one time was a Southern Baptist. He'd been a Southern Baptist, and he'd gotten filled with the Holy Spirit. And he began to, to talk. And I felt a yearning. I want this experience. Mm. Yes, I was I was uh, received salvation, but I, and was baptized by, in water, but I hadn't done the Acts thing, being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Yeah, and I thought, man, I don't want to 
embarrass myself. I don't want to embarrass my wife or or my family if I just start busting out speaking in tongues. <laughs> so it was kind of a hindrance. And so we went to that meeting. <clears throat> Excuse right. me. I want to go ahead and because I've never heard of the organization. What did you say it was called? Full Gospel Businessmen's Fellowship. So it's a men's group. Is it? Well, no, it's for everybody. Okay, businessmen. Um, Demas Shakarian is the one who who started it. Okay, and, and it's just like a it's like a crusade or what? Um, they, they just had, well, I guess you could say crusades. They'd have them in different parts, and there was a chapter in each city. Okay, and they would invite in guest speakers, and they would meet. Oh, I don't know, at least once a month or or so, and. Okay, so you were at one of those meetings. Yes. Did those take place in houses, or were they? No, it was a. They rented a, you know, like the arena or wherever. The, so you had quite a few people. Oh there. yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. it was a. It was a big deal. The charismatic movement started in the Roman Catholic Church in the '60s, mm-hmm. and then it spread to the Protestants and and even uh, to Pentecostals, mm-hmm. and uh, it was just a tremendous movement of God. Just like everything is a season. That was a season for me mm. to awaken, get my eyes open, that there's more. And I wanted more of God, but I didn't know what it was. Mm-hmm. So through this experience, I mean, I was just hungry. And so I went back to other meetings. And finally, one night, they had this guy that spoke and talked about how easy it was to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. I thought it was a, you know, you had to do, um, you know, yoga poses and whatever. No, I don't know. But what led up to that night was my brother-in-law taking me to a prayer meeting with the Gideons International. Mm. Now, they're not Pentecostal. They're, they're non-denominational. They have members from all denominations that are part of the Gideons International, and they distribute Bibles in motels, hotels, yeah. given to nursing nurses, nursing homes. You see them in motels, mm-hmm. at least some of them. And uh, they distribute those. And with they pay for it with their own money. Mm-hmm. They don't, uh, their membership and all that. But I'm, I'm not doing a plug for the Giddings International, but I, God used that. Jerry took me to a, a Saturday morning prayer meeting. With the Gideons. With the Gideons International in, in here in Cape Girardeau. I'd never seen men get on their their knees in prayer. Mm. I'd never seen the kind of love these men had for one another. Yeah. God jolted me. He shook me. I don't know if it's DC Talk or the Newsboys. He wrecked me. You remember? <laughs> you know that song? You're, I don't know offhand. No. He wrecked me, and so I saw this, and God used that. These guys kneeling in prayer, praying for one another, praying for. The, the salvation of souls, praying for churches in the area and nation and world. So that brought me to that night, seeing this. And so I just simply prayed and said, Lord, I surrender myself, all of me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And it happened. Now, did I start speaking in tongues right away? No, because I still had this in the back of my file cabinet, yeah, I don't know if this is right or not. Mm-hmm. And so for me, and I, I, don't, I did not intend to go in this direction, but maybe there's somebody else out there that's uh, thinking about it and saying, well, I want more of God, and I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And so anyway, after a week or a month or whatever, I can't remember the times. That's, that's been a few days ago. 
And uh, I just started hearing these words in my head. It was like the Lord spoke to me and said, just speak them. Mm-hmm. So when I started speaking, it was just like the, a dam was, a flood, a flood was loosed. And, and that's something that we can't explain. Because I know that we probably do have some listeners that maybe are sitting where you were sitting as far as not sure about all that. You know, they've seen the bad, but you can't let the bad outweigh the good. It's kind of like the old saying, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Mm-hmm. So just because you've seen the fake doesn't mean that the real is any less legit. And we at Next Level Freedom Church are along with what you're saying. We believe it's a separate experience. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is, you know, there's evidence speaking in tongues. But uh, listening to you talk, I remember the first time it happened to me. And I'm like, because I was raised the same way, that all that had died out with the apostles, that we don't go to buy those people. And I had been to churches, Pentecost churches, where kind of like what you said, the people were running crazy. But it's like, wait a minute, this is more of a distraction than it is. And that's not how God works. So we would hear people, and my friend Brett, for those of you who know who that is, he was with me. And we were in this church, and I remember the uncomfortable feeling about all these people. But it wasn't until later. We had been given more experiences than that one to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. We had pastors. We would go to home Bible studies because we was trying to grow. We wanted to grow. And we were only 18 or so, so we were young. And we go into these, and I remember uh, Pastor Zach Strong, I don't know if you know him, he's here in Cape, and I actually went to a friend of mine over in Illinois, her house, we went for Bible study, and he was the first one that asked us directly, do you guys want to experience this? And we're like, ah, we're okay. Yes. No, we're good. So we backed off that time, and I can't speak for Brett when it happened, but for me it happened on a Saturday morning in a prayer meeting. So I find it interesting, because a lot of people don't realize what they're missing by skipping prayer meeting because things happen at prayer meeting. Well, mine happened at 9 a.m. on a Saturday morning at a prayer meeting at, in Tennessee. Uh, the church we were at, at the time was next, or Love and Truth Church with Pastor Eddie Couples. And I went to the prayer meeting. I had been going to a few. That may have been one of my early ones. And I remember standing there and just all of a sudden, kind of like what you said, the Spirit came over me. And I started speaking in tongues. And I'm like... Spirit is subject to the prophet, of course, but for me, it felt so good. It's like all these things, and the crazy part, and I don't mean to go off into me, but him is allowing me to relate to this. The the crazy part is at that time, it had been like eight months, we had moved to Tennessee, and I hadn't had gotten a job yet, because there was nobody, I was putting out applications, but nobody had hired. And it was right after that prayer meeting, and after the tongues, and the things that happened, and of course, he's up there, and he calls down those that feel like they've felt something and I went and I had like three or four other pastors praying over me and things and I had never felt anything like it and it was never more real it's the same with being slain in the spirit I hadn't had that I had that happen once and it was crazy because I don't even remember what happened it was so that stuff is legit so I guess what I'm getting at is don't let all the bad outweigh the good because within two hours of that prayer meeting Ed may have been on my way out the door I had a job on the phone and it was crazy because they say that's what it is is your spirit communicating with God so your spirit utters things that God knows and answered in prayers all in the same but for those of you out there listening before you go doubting I just want you to know there's a legit experience and we do see it as a separate experience from salvation you can be saved and never experience that but right. you're missing oh, what you're you missing could have. so much, so, so much. I didn't mean to interrupt in there. I'm going to no, let you go ahead and continue. With no, Ed, that's but, uh, quite all right. But that's something that was relatable for me. So uh, and, and you and that, can't explain that feeling to no, anybody. It's no. just got to happen to you. And that's so. right, and I'm thankful it did. Now, 
that is not the only evidence that you're filled, filled the Spirit. There's fruits of the Spirit. Mm-hmm. I can look at my wife. I've not heard her pray in, in the Spirit. She's never has, but she demonstrates love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, temperance, and self-control. Mm-hmm. Those are fruits. So, folks, you can be a fruit inspector. <laughs> See, you, you, can, you can pray in tongues. You can jump pews. You can do all this. You can shout. But if your life doesn't match up, Mm-hmm. You're in trouble, and it's a just so disrespectful to God, I think. Yeah, because holiness is so important, and I can't be holy on my own. Mm. How about you, Trenton? No, I can't. So it's God that when I'm when I became a Christian, there was something from the outside that came in. It was God coming from the outside in, mm. and then. With the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I don't know why we're concentrating on but there's somebody out there. Somebody is there. It was coming from the inside out. Because John says from the from your belly shall flow rivers of living water. Yes, he does. And that's not the only only indication that you're baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit is speaking in tongues. That's, it's really a big one, but also these fruits of the Spirit. Mm-hmm. And so I'm so thankful for that. Well, after this experience, after this occurred, and... I began to understand what was going on. I had a hunger for reading the Bible like I never. I devoured it. Mm. I was I was in the Word. This is a BK before kids, so mm. I could read the Bible <laughs> whenever. And also in my profession, I was a teacher at that time, and so on my desk I had a Bible. Now I didn't preach to the kids. But they saw that Bible, and on my breaks as a teacher, I was able to sit there and read my Bible because mm-hmm. I was still, I was starving. Yeah, I'd grown up with the Bible. I had a Bible, you know, I opened it up on Sunday or for Sunday school class, but I began to devour it. And then I wanted to get, I want to get a study Bible. I want to get a Bible that's got cross-references. Mm-hmm. Man, that. I mean, this this occurs somewhere else in the Bible? I mean, this is not just a whole bunch of disconnected stories and scriptures. No, it's God's book from Genesis to Revelation. And so that began a quest for me. And along about this time, I sensed again the Lord calling me to pastoral ministry. Now, when I was in high school, we had Youth Sunday. And I preached one Sunday, and I just felt that calling me, but I, I, here's what's going on in my head. No way, God. <laughs> I've seen how congregations and people treat preachers. Mm. I don't want anything to do with that. Yeah. So, And that's a similar experience. I've heard a lot of pastors. I'm not going to say all of them, but I was one of them. No, no. I'm not going to. You can't be talking to me, no, right? No. So, you talking to me? <laughs> when God spoke to me, the moment he actually, I guess, confirmed and spoke to my spirit and said, this is what you need to do. There was no denying. I had to do it. So, And then, of course, I switched to, because I was like, okay, God, I'll preach. But I'm not going to pastor a congregation. <laughs> and little lo and behold, then he gave me a heart for pastoring later, years later. So, I, you know, I was hoping to be an evangelist so I could preach it, get out. So I don't right. have to deal with the backlash or That's anything, right. I guess is what I was thinking. But uh, mm-hmm. so um, it's amazing how God works. And a lot of pastors and preachers said what you just said. They, they didn't want it. 
and mm. just kind of got, and that's maybe why God chose it. Because sometimes when somebody wants it, it's because they want it that they go after it. And if God's not behind you, then it's not going to go very far. No. Let's just say it that way. So, uh, so I thought that was interesting. Go ahead. Well, <laughs> I felt that call in high school, and then I, I felt that call him when I was about 20 years old. And again, this all, no. Nah. And then, then I said, Lord, what if I said yes? Would you ask me to go to Africa? <laughs> so you were worried about leaving the country. <laughs> yes. And because uh, I'd heard missionaries, they'd come to our church is where I was serving. But in the meantime, I became even more involved in our local church. In fact, I was elected a deacon mm. in local church, local Southern Baptist church. And in my prayer life changed. My English prayer life changed. And so did my my prayer language the Holy Spirit gave me. I don't know what language it is. I'd like to find out someday. <laughs> but anyway, so in that, I sensed that call, and I said, okay, God, all right, even if you send me to Africa. <laughs> <laughs> I said, but I'd like, like the Word says, God, you always honor your Word. We're two, three witnesses. So I go into this Bible bookstore. I'm looking for a resource I think it was an interlinear translation of the Bible. Mm. That What that means is you have the English, and then you have the either Hebrew or Greek word above it, and then you can look it up and see what that word means in context. Now, I don't know if that means anything to your listeners, but it was important to me. And as I was just looking at this, I never said anything to this to the proprietor, and he, he looks at me and says, Is the Lord calling you into pastoral ministry? Talk about one, huh? <laughs> yeah. Talk about deer in the headlights, or if you could see it, my shock face. It was there, and then I don't know. There was a couple other people just out of the blue, and then I guess the the real confirmation was my pastor. Mm-hmm. We were sitting talking one day, and he said, "Is the Lord calling you into pastoral ministry?" And I said, "I believe He is," and I've just run and rejected it. So he, he he helped get me my license to preach, mm. and I'm off to the races then. And then I was ordained as a Southern Baptist pastor and pastored. I taught school and pastored what we call Paul called a tent making ministry. Mm. And uh, but it was about that time that my brother in law, who was also really following the Lord, he got called into the Methodist ministry, mm. and. He had a good friend who was already a Methodist minister, and they kept talking to me. He said, Ed, you need to go into the Methodist church. And I said, why? I said, I'm doing what God wants me to do. I've accepted the call to, to, to ministry and to pastor. And I said, I'm, I'm being a witness at school with my daily life, how I treat my students, how I interact with the people. And you know, that's the most important thing of all. It's not the preaching. It's how you live. Mm. You know, my life is the greatest witness. I don't have to tell a person about Jesus Christ, but I have to live it. Mm-hmm. Because usually I've found they'll ask a question, mm-hmm. what's different about you? Yeah. Oh, I'm glad you asked me. <laughs> you, you, know what that's, that's, you know what that says to me? Holy Spirit is in it mm-hmm. and has been working in them. So anyway, so I was pastoring and I was still teaching. And one of the defining moments was... I was still a member of the Gideons International because I wasn't, or I guess I'm, I got ahead of myself when I was teaching. 
I wasn't ordained as a pastor then. It's only lay people can be part of the Gideons International. Well, anyway, I had the privilege. I took a personal day. Back then, you could get into the schools and distribute little New Testaments to fifth graders. Well, I took a day off, and I got to distribute Bibles with another Gideon to my own class that I was teaching and to the other fifth graders. And we went to some other schools. But it wasn't too many weeks later that one of my students was killed in an accident. Mm. He was digging into a a sand bank, I guess head first, and he was with another, some other kids, but it collapsed on him and suffocated him. Mm. They couldn't get him out. But his mom brought his little New Testament to me, and in the back of it had a place where he could sign that, yes, I prayed and asked Jesus to be my Savior. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you. That's powerful. That it was powerful. Mm. And I had the privilege of being able to school provided the bus. We went to the to my the student that had died's funeral. Mm. But I did something now that probably put me in jail for after that the day, probably a day or a few days after that, I said, You know, kids, what happened to this young man is horrible. But I said he made a profession of faith in Jesus Christ. And I just flat out, any of you in here today that's never received Jesus, that'd like to receive him as your Savior, would you just pray with me? Mm-hmm. And we did. And, and there's several other kids that later that came up, they showed me their little Bible. Yeah. And God used that death of this young man and the ministry of the Gideons. I was just a tool. Yeah. And so <clears throat> for God to do this, it was so exciting. So I'm sorry I went back <laughs> because I'd already got into pastoral ministry. And let me pick up where I left off with that. I said, no, I'm, I'm fine where I am. I'm, God's using me. This is fine. We got our home. We got our families. All We lived in the same area. And, and it, everything was good. Mm-hmm. So they said, well, let's meet with the district superintendent. I said, okay, just get you off my back. I'll go talk with him. And I visited with this district superintendent. What that is, if your listeners are not familiar with that, in the United Methodist Church, you have a bishop over a certain area. And under the bishop, he has district superintendents who are responsible then for, like, counties or certain areas. They're like the pastor to the pastors. Mm. Like in Cape, you, well, it's now it's the Southeast District. You have several churches in the Southeast District in Boot Hill that are part of the Southeast District. Well... He was the district superintendent of Cape Farmington District at the time. And I visited with him for quite a while, and he asked me theological questions and so forth. And at the end of the conversation, said, well, I have a couple churches for you if you get enrolled in seminary. And I said, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute here. I wasn't prepared for this. I said, uh, well, I need to pray about this, and my wife and I need to pray about it. Mm-hmm. So I said, okay, we don't have much time because they're meeting at annual conference. That's the this wherever the state is like in missouri let's say the state of missouri they're meeting in in a week and said i'll be there here's my phone number you call me and let me know i said okay we're going to go and pray about it well god confirmed this is where we need to go because i was methodist in theology but i was in a southern baptist church because mm-hmm. i was grown grown up as a southern baptist mm-hmm. and i knew there's some things that just didn't feel right or fit right Mm-hmm. 
And part of that was about Holy Spirit, about uh, eternal security of the believer, about closed communion, and some stuff like that. And and Wesley was Arminian. And if you don't know what Arminian is, look up, go on Wikipedia or somewhere and look up what Arminian theology is. Mm -hmm. And that's very similar to the General Baptist Church, and that's Wesley. Of course, now it's a little different, but... um, so I thought, I'm home. Mm-hmm. So I said, okay, let's see if we can get enrolled, and then we'll, we'll tell you definitely. So we went to the seminary, the one that's approved in this area. It was in Webster Groves. And we interviewed with them and talked about classes, and I talked to the registrar, and then she told me what the cost mm. for seminary was. Mm. And I thought... There's no way we can afford this. Yeah. So I was really de- dejected because cause here, here we're leaving. We still owned a house and property, mm-hmm. and we're going to be moving into a church-owned parsonage, but you still have to pay the utilities and, and so forth on that. And then I would have to pay for gas to travel mm-hmm. to school besides the tuition. And I just said, no, there's no way. But my wife said, well, Eddie... That's what she calls me. That's my first name. <laughs> Eddie, let's just go by and look at the parsonage and then pray about it. Well, and this okay. is a parsonage for the churches or for the for seminary? The, for the churches. Okay. The two churches that the district superintendent offered that for to appoint me by the bishop would appoint me to those two churches. So we drove down to the the town and we Drove around town a little bit, and we asked, oh, who from the church would let us in to look at the parsonage? And they told us, so we, we, the people just right across the street from the parsonage. Anyway, we introduced ourselves and told them who we were and just had a conversation. And uh, I just mentioned, well, seminary costs a lot more than I thought it would. That's all I said. Mm. So he said, here, here's the key. Go look at the parsonage. So we go to the parsonage, and we look around, all nice hardwood floors. Mm-hmm. Uh, before everybody covered them up with carpet. <laughs> but we did have two kids who were preschool. Mm. And we thought, you know, it'd be nice if there's a little carpet on the floor where they're crawling around and running around. And and just my wife and I were the only ones there, and we just said that to each other. We looked at the house and, and uh, took the keys back and said our goodbyes. And we get home, and about a week later, the district superintendent calls it's a different district superintendent now, not the one that I first talked with, because they change those every six or 12 years. And he said, um, well, the two churches met, and they're not giving you the salary that the other pastor was getting, but they're going to pay for your seminary. Mm. Boom! <laughs> Boom, shakalaka! <clears throat> okay, Lord. That's a great witness. Oh, and then about another week later, he says, call back, he says, the trustees were wondering if it'd be all right if they put a little carpet in the house for those boys. Mm-hmm. So, you know, God hears all this, and he confirmed it. And so, okay, God. Mm-hmm. So we move into the, we, we couldn't get everything squared away. Usually June, all the pastors across the, the Methodist Connection move, mm-hmm. and at least here in Missouri. And so we moved in in August. And so one of the first things 
was a 78-year-old man who'd been a hooligan and a drunk most of his life, although his dad was a preacher. Mm. And he got saved. He received salvation. And he wanted to be baptized. He wanted to be immersed. Mm-hmm. The, the interim pastor said, no, let's just sprinkle you or pour you, which that's fine, you know, depending on your health issues and so forth. Mm-hmm. You know, you may have some debate whether immersion is the only way, but I always told one of my friends as well, you got water over your head either way, <laughs> whether you're immersed all the way in the water. I think immersion is a better picture. But anyway, he wanted to be baptized. Well, I'd never done a baptism service in my life. But I said, sure. So I started reading up on how to do it, asked one of my <laughs> pastor friends. And uh, it was probably a Sunday afternoon after church that afternoon. It was in the summer. And we went to, um, it's called Leadwood Beach, that was near the town of Leadwood. Mm-hmm. Gives you some geography, Leadwood, Missouri. We, um, let's see, it was a Little River, I believe is the name of the, and it's a, it's a, river where you can fish and swim and canoe and stuff. So we go down, and of course, Leadwood Beach is where the locals would go to drink and party and stuff. Mm -hmm. So we clean up all the beer cans and and everything, and then we get ready for the service, and of course, we sing water songs. For those not understanding, it's all hymns from from the church about water, Mm -hmm. you know, down by the river and and so forth. And uh, have you been washed? So... When we go out into the water, there's people fishing, there's people swimming, there's people canoeing. Everything stops. We didn't ask them to, mm-hmm. but we were singing praises to God. And uh, Luther and I went out in the water. And I have a picture to document this. When we got out in the water, and as, we were, as I was getting ready to baptize him, I raised my hand toward heaven. My hand was, arm had gotten water. But there was a drip of water that fell from my elbow into the stream. And the picture shows it was a completely calm. It was a running stream, but it was calm. There was nothing moving. But you could see that drop of water, and it rippled out. Mm-hmm. It's like you throw a rock in there. Um, and then when I raised my hand, I thought I was going to float up to heaven. <laughs> and then I immersed him, brought him up, and I thought, man, I'm going to start shouting here. Yeah. And But everybody was so thrilled and plodding on the shore. Even the people didn't know what was going on. They're plodding with everybody else. This man who had been a ruffian, he was so rough on his wife one time, as in drunken stupor, he threw her out of a window mm. at their house. And she was just a frail little thing. Well, my, that was... A tremendous experience yeah. being able to baptize him in water and to see him grow in his faith. Mm-hmm. And that's what it's about. Actually, we the people that we have baptized at the church, we did it over in the lake over here at the Trail of Tears. And there's something about being outside in that water. I know we've got, you know, those of you out there, nothing wrong with a baptistry or whatever you use. But when we went to the lake, and I had, you know, we took videos because our daughter was one of the first ones that got baptized. And you're watching the water flow and move and seeing these people and just being there. So, like, what you're saying uh, about him in particular, I was like, there's something about being outside. It's like the way Jesus did it when John baptized Jesus. And I don't know. So I actually enjoy the outdoor baptisms, I think, even more than because I was actually baptized in a baptistry. But I was too. Getting out there, it's like, 
Wow. And, and, you know, we went in the summer. We usually do them in the summer when we do them so it's warm, so the water's not freezing. But, <laughs> so, but So that is the advantage of a baptistry. If you got someone you want to get baptized in the winter, they yeah, can Yeah, especially still get like today here was 22 this morning. I don't think I want <laughs> But although I have, I baptized when we were at Piedmont, I baptized a young lady. I was like J- January something. Mm. Man, it was cold. Mm. The stream wasn't frozen. But we went down in the stream. Man, it was cold going in. Mm-hmm. But after the baptism, I don't remember being cold, even coming out of the water. Yeah. It was just one of those things. Mm-hmm. She was going to be taking on the, the a new leadership role in the church, and she just wanted to reaffirm her baptism. Yeah. She was sprinkled as a as a baby or an infant, but she just wanted to renew those vows and to to be immersed. And a tremendous experience. One of the greatest baptism services I've been in was when we served in Montgomery City. And we had, I mean, God did such a work bringing people to Christ, young people. I see I was young then. Mm -hmm. We had young kids at home. That was kind of a, and that was in the 80s. So, Mm -hmm. you know, church was really popping and growing most places. Yeah. And so we had a bunch of people to baptize. And there were others that wanted to renew their baptismal vows. And we had over 55 people mm-hmm. one time who were wow. baptized. We went to a rock quarry. Mm. It was closed, but the, the owners gave us permission yeah. to use it. And, I, and That's crystal clear water, too, yes. a lot of times because of the rock bottom. <laughs> and then some of, the, some of the people being baptized were children of some of our members, and I invited them to help me baptize them. Mm. What an experience for the kid and for the parent to be a part of that because they've lived their life and their faith and taught them about Christ. And sometimes we pastors, we get to, we get to see the fruit of it, you know, and mm-hmm. they make that profession of faith. But that was, and then you know what we did after that? What? We had a fish fry. <laughs> did they have fish in there? No. Oh, no, no. <laughs> one of our members who was one of my lay leaders, uh, he, he had a big old cooker, and, well, man, we, we had a big fish fry after mm. that. So some experiences I will never forget with baptism. I don't know how we got on that direction, but Holy <laughs> Spirit evidently wanted to go there. That's the point of the show. So. so serving 35 years, I had six appointments, six different churches, each one of them different, each unique, and some lovely people in each one of them. That's not to say we didn't have issues and like I told one guy I said um, you know I'm not going to miss you because there'll be somebody just like you in the next church <laughs> now that wasn't very nice that that wasn't Holy Spirit that uh-huh. was that was that nine-year-old flesh because he used when I said that he was a person that probably hurt me and wounded me and and so forth and but anyway 35 years of that and then then it brings us up to retirement and our kids laugh all the time. Says, "Dad, when are you going to retire?" Because mm. we're, you know, we're busy every Sunday, and we're busy during the week doing different things. I said, "Well, when I draw my last breath." Mm. So that leads us up to when I, as I said earlier, when I filled in, then it was a campus pastor, and then now the lead pastor, Joy Church here in Jackson, Missouri. And then you had the people ask you to do that, didn't you? Yes, to start the church because I, I when it was closed, I wasn't going to. Just started up. There was a couple prayer warriors that were part of the congregation. I said, Lord, I, I know you want me to do this, mm. but I want to know it's from you and not me. Mm-hmm. So in my prayers, I said, okay, Lord, will you have 
the congregation speak this to me. Then I'll know that this is for sure what you want me to do. Well, they came to me and said, we just don't want to go back to the home church. We want to know if you'll be our pastor. Mm-hmm. So I, I was said... Was that a majority of the congregation, or was that just some of them? Or? That was two of them. At that point, I thought, okay, well, I did all the paperwork necessary. You know, I started the church, so we went from there. But I needed that confirmation that, yeah, this is from the Lord. And so many of the folks that were from that original group are still with us and and God's adding some other folks as we come along we've lost some and but but the core from that beginning is still here and and I want to say this when I walked in the first Sunday as the campus pastor to this congregation it was part of the New McKendry United Methodist Church out of Jackson wonderful people they had the foresight to do this and, and a good friend of mine, David Israel, was the, the lead pastor. Mm-hmm. And I walked in there. There was something different about this congregation. I felt loved and accepted off the bat. Mm-hmm. The Joy Church? Yes. Mm-hmm. And that has continued. I've never... Now, I've had congregations that had groups of people within the church that were open, accepting, loving, no matter who came... They just loved you, mm-hmm. but not a whole church. Yes. And that's what was unique about and still unique about Joy Church. doesn't matter who comes through that door. They're going to get loved, and they're going to be valued and appreciated. And with our name, we... Wow. I was getting ready to ask that. So we we prayed about that for a long time. We had all kinds of names and... And uh, they come up, and and then finally, just joy, because that's what was unique about the people. Mm-hmm. They had such joy and peace, yeah. and loved each other. I mean, truly loved each other. And so, I thought, of joy, okay, Jesus, others, you. Jesus, and others, you, okay. Yeah. That that's the the right order. Yeah. Jesus first, others, and then you. Most of the time it's, oh, what I want, and then maybe what others, and then Jesus comes in. But no, we wanted to put him prominent. and uh, we, Yoj. It's yeah. mostly in Yoj order. Yeah. Y-O-J. <laughs> we have a, our youngest son is a graphic artist. Mm. So he came up. I, I said, can you design something for us as a logo? And he gave me several different ones, and and the one we presently have is, it's like with two hands praying together, and then it has joy around it, the, around the O. Yeah. And uh, so that's where the name came from, and and we haven't looked back. Uh, and just what so, year did you actually launch oh. the Joy Church? Hmm. I know you were already there when I had joined the Associate right. Pastor at the Rock. It's probably 2016. So right before I showed up, because mm-hmm. I was 16 when I came back. Probably two, 16. 15, 16, latter part of 15. That's where the name came from. And Was that your first facility? Or were you somewhere else before you came and teamed up with The Rock on that? Uh, no, that was our first, because okay. we were looking for... We looked around all over Jackson for a place for us. And, and then some mutual friends of ours, John and Ruth, mm-hmm. told us about uh, Rock Church. Mm-hmm. And so I sat down with the pastors. Sure, 
we'll just move our schedules and yeah. use our facility. And we did that for two years and, and loved them. Yeah. And uh, we worship with them quite often, and some of them worship with us. And, and I would preach at their church sometimes, and they would preach in my service. And we just had an awesome time. And, and then God sent us a, a, a music director and, and, and musician, Kim Hayes. Just anointed by God. She she and her husband had moved back to the area so she could be close to her mom and dad and who had health issues. And she had been the uh, music director and leader at a big Methodist church in Illinois. Mm. So, I mean, here, little bitty Joy Church, and we have this kind of quality of music. Yeah. It's just incredible. Yeah. And so we're thankful for those two years and then... We've been here, uh, I guess, about three years yeah. in this pre- 1229 Old Cape Road in Jackson, Missouri. That's yeah. a shameless plug, but <laughs> no, so, so, let so, you do it anyway. So, so. so you get on your Google Maps and you can you can look that up. Yeah, and we're right. This is 1225. This part. This is 1225, right? and then we have between us is a, a grocery store called Dents Makes Sense. C E N T S, mm-hmm. and. Then on the other side, we have our children's church. We call it um, Joy Express. Yeah, the little train. Yeah, we got John a train. Yeah, our, my son also oh, designed okay. that logo. But we have um, our children's church there, and we also have our fellowship meal each week. If I may say, one of the hardest things we ever did was the the quarantine mm. with this COVID. We didn't know what we were dealing with at the time. And so I started live streaming from home. Mm-hmm. about three or four weeks and it was kind of neat i mean i could be anywhere i wanted on sunday as long as i had wi-fi i could do yeah. a live stream and mm-hmm. but it just just didn't feel right yeah just wasn't right and because joy church is about being connected mm-hmm. it's about relationships and it's also about eating yeah. We have a fellowship meal. Do we have enough time? Yeah, you're good. We had we have fellowship time every Sunday. We have this chef in our congregation. He's not calling himself a chef, but he is. So <laughs> I've ate some of those meals. They're good. <laughs> excellent. You never know what he's gonna bring up. Let's see, one week was Himalayan stew. Hmm. Himalayan on the side of the road. Uh, a roadkill. It, it really wasn't, folks, but that's what he that's what he put a name on it. He is a character. But Fellowship. And so as we were praying about this, John mm-hmm. and my wife says, we got to get back together. Mm-hmm. This is who we are. We have to be in worship together. Hebrews says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves as the custom of some is. Yeah, we knew there was a dangerous virus out there. But we also claim Psalm 92, there shall be no plague come near our dwelling, or is that Psalm 91? Mm. We have Psalm 91. And, you know, we're not silly. We know we could still be somewhere else and, and get it, but, but God has protected us. I remember the first Sunday back. It was like our first Sunday of getting together as Joy Church. Such joy and exuberance and such love and the presence of God. Yeah. It was just incredible. So we haven't looked back. Yes, there's a mask mandate in our county. And, you know, we, we, we post that sign. But I am not the mask Nazi. Mm-hmm. That's up to the individual whether they want to wear the mask or not. If you're concerned, please wear it. Mm-hmm. 
but it's a, your choice. I'm not going to enforce it. I told him that the first Sunday. I'm not going to enforce this mandate. Yeah. And I don't know why I'm saying all this. <laughs> they may be. They may put me in Cape for County, Cape County me, Jail. But for those of you who've heard me on Sunday mornings, and the reason I had Ed in here this morning was. Uh, you heard of me refer to a sister church. I, I consider Joy Church kind of like a yes, sister church, yes. even though there's really no actual connection no. except the fellowship. So uh, when you hear me refer to in my messages, those of you listen on Sundays, you hear them talk about the sister church. I was talking about Joy Church a lot of those times. So uh, it's been amazing to have the fellowship, and I enjoy getting together with them just to eat. Sometimes on Sundays we'll show up, and, you know, sometimes we've had the church with us, so we just kind of showed up in a group. Yes, but, <laughs> I remember that. So, uh, But I really appreciate you coming in. You're welcome. Ed, and doing Thank the you. interview with us, and uh, we're I, I love giving people the opportunity. So I've even got the next couple few months, I think, planned. If the if the pastors say yes, then I'm going to have them on here as well. Uh, for those of you out there listening, we try to do the first Thursday of every month. We have the Unified Show, which would be interviews with real people making a real difference. And Pastor Ed here is a pastor making a real difference, but he's really just a real person like <laughs> us. It's not like God, you know, picks the... Cream of the crop sometimes <laughs> when you look at us and you look at our mm-hmm. flaws, but mm-hmm. God can use you if you're listening out there and you're a real person. So that's what the point of the show is, let you know that whatever God's calling you to, if you've been called by God, maybe you haven't found that calling yet, he can use you. You're a real person. You can make a real difference. The thing you have to do is say yes to God. Yes, wherever you are, you're a teacher or you work in a factory, you're retired Whatever your profession, that's a calling. Mm-hmm. God uses you right there. You live the Christian faith out, and it's like Saint, uh, I believe Saint Saint Francis C.C. said, "Preach the gospel, and if necessary, use words." Mm-hmm. So live that gospel out. Yeah. And wherever you are, whatever you're doing, that's your call. He may call you to pastor ministry. I'm no different than anybody else. Yeah. I mean, why would he have chosen me? <laughs> I, I'm really, I, I mean, I look at that. Oh, man, I have so many flaws and oh, my. <laughs> been, so don't let that hold you back no, is what no, we're getting at. I've no. had the same feeling, and I have it more often than you think. It's like, God, why did you teach <laughs> yes. me to do this again? Amen. <laughs> So uh, any last words you'd like to share with those out there listening, wherever they're out in the world, before we get out of here? Just pray that if you haven't received Jesus as your Savior, that you'll do that today. And like I say on Sunday morning, if not, why? And if not today, then when? Mm. And then open and yield your heart and life to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Whether you speak in tongues or not, just invite Holy Spirit in to be your Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen. Well, you want to give the address again one more time for Joy Church if you're interested in checking out him on a Sunday morning? 1225 Old Cape Road in Jackson, Missouri. We begin worship at 1030. And they have a Facebook page. So if you want to hear him live teach before you come, then he's got Facebook Live on there. So, uh, and even... Does Miss Ruth still Yeah, Miss Ruth videos? does her children's time, and she sets it up so great for me. It's easy to preach here because she sets it up for me. <laughs> and you guys don't plan that usually, do you? Well, you she, knows, she knows what I'm going to preach oh, okay. on because I give her, but then she allows Holy Spirit to direct her, and she always sets it up so good for me. What I always found amazing because I've been, I've spoken several churches over the years, and it amazes me when I show up. I guess it shouldn't. We know who God is. Yes. But you show up, and even the people in the church are like, they're singing worship songs, and it all goes along with what you're getting ready to say. You haven't talked to anybody 
But then, or maybe somebody gives up and gives a testimony. I've had this happen too. Or somebody will start talking. I'm like, you really don't know this, but you're setting it up. We're ready to go now. So, uh, so it's it's amazing to see when God does those type of things, and they still happen. So, Amen. Thanks thank for you. being here, well, Ed. Thank you, Trenton. Those of you tuning online, once again, the website is nextlevelfreedomchurch.com. If you'd like to check us out, the videos are up there. You can check out, well, you're checking out the podcast now. Uh, we are on Rumble. We are on YouTube. And social media, all that information is right there on the website. So feel free to check that out for us. God bless you guys, and I'll see you next time.